0: Following is a presentation of Artisan Church in Rochester, New York. This is week three of Mixtape, which is uh, this really fun and intriguing series that we've been doing uh, here at Artisan this late summer, early fall season. Um, And the idea with Mixtape is that we flip the script a little bit, whereas in a normal week at Artisan um, and most churches... There's a topic, there's a scripture text, there's a sermon that the pastor has in mind, and you try to build the music and the prayers and everything around that. And during mixtape, we flip that around, and we start with music. In fact, we start usually with a musical genre, and we ask the question, what does this genre of music have to teach us about the life of faith? And the best part about it is that each week we bring in a professional musician or musicians who perform music in that genre for us, And we don't require them to sing like Jesus songs entirely. Um, We we ask them to play their style of music and then let that kind of push us into spiritual themes and uh, the life of Christian faith together. And so we had uh, soul music with Danielle Ponder in the first week. And she just blew the roof off the the joint. And we had blues music with Violet Mary last week. And we we totally walked right into the heart of lament and the pain that sometimes comes with life. Uh, And today... I'm super duper pleased to welcome uh, Ben and Rita, the Crooked North duo. Would you guys come up here? Uh, welcome these guys to Artisan Church, would you? <laughs> now, the Crooked North is a full-fledged, is a five-piece, right? Four or five? It's a five. Five-piece bluegrass and Americana band. Today it's the duo, just Ben and Rita, um, which you would think would be two fifths as good, but it's like it might even be better. Don't tell the rest of the guys I, told, I said that. Um, but... No. <laughs> <laughs> so um, we're going to support them this morning in a few ways. They're, they're going to they're bless us with awesome music and kind of lead us into the spiritual theme of storied faith. Um, but I will let you guys talk about your gig tonight. Um, at some point today, tell us how we can come support you tonight and how we can get your music and where we can find you on social media and all that fun stuff. And then we're actually going gonna to later take a collection to give these guys because if you went and saw them uh, you know, at Abilene or something, it would probably cost you five bucks. And so if you have five bucks in your pocket and can put it in the hat, that would be uh, a, an awesome way of thanking them, too. Because trust me, musicians don't like to be thanked any other way better than they like <laughs> to be thanked with money. So um, once again, welcome uh, Ben and Rita to Crooked North Duo.
1: Thank you, guys.
0: Thank you so much. So
2: it's a really interesting um, to base a theme on Americana music and I think that um, the thing that really kind of keeps me playing in Americana is uh, the idea that it's grounded into something that came before Um, and into the past and the sounds of the past and you know I, I played with musicians who started playing banjo because they found a picture of their grandma playing a banjo and they decided that that was going to be something they wanted to make that connection. And I think that Americana music um, is it's a great theme for um, telling a story because in a way it sort of helps us uh, tell our story. Um, so we're going we're gonna to start with a song that John Itkin wrote. He's the um, guitar player for our band, and it's called The River Colorado.
1: typically sing (laughs) so
2: this next one um, we're supposed to be debuting three new songs at Fringe Festival later today we're cheating but that's a lie because you're actually going to hear this for the first time right now as in like the first time ever Ever. um, other than band practice in in my basement
1: you're not guinea pigs you are are a
2: So if the song is really terrible, tell us we won't be (laughs) going singing at the concert later.
1: We'll take your feedback in the back afterwards. This
2: one is called Seven Years.
1: Bandos are hard to tune. Yeah. FYI.
0: One more time, would you say hello to the Crooked North duo? Um,
2: Hey. (laughs) Nice to be back. Uh, So we're going to do a couple of songs that have um, some stories. Scott asked us to kind of maybe lead into um, his message a little bit. So... Each of these songs has a a story that kind of they bounce off each other a little bit. Um, But this one, uh, like many Americana songs, is kind of about uh, leaving a place that you hate uh, and then coming back and realize that maybe you don't hate it so much once you see what the alternative is. Um, Or maybe that someone there that uh, you find really important brings you back. So this one is called, You Don't Fit In.
3: Hey, sweet baby, now don't you feel You ain't been broken hearted yet I'm coming back this way when the motors grind and the mothers mother's pray for sons who can't shake the restless calm. Remember, baby, if you can. That steering wheel made me feel like a man. Beer between my thighs and I was helping on getting high and I got love to burn before I fall, before I fall. Take it on the chin I feel a little lucky that you don't. You don't fit in. You don't fit in. You don't fit in. You don't fit in. in. I half down on 95. Yeah, somebody in heaven wants me alive. By the side of the road, awake all night. I got, I got no more fight, ain't no good Hanging on this way Help me settle and help me see All this roaming and I ain't free I've been thinking with my heart Speaking with cheap guitar But I wanna, wanna lean on you. you, I wanna stay I wanna stay in the white picket tank. Highway cutting deep through the corn A poor man's son, you take it on the chin Feeling lucky that you don't You don't fit in, you don't fit in You don't fit in, you don't fit in
1: that cheeky little lick you do at the end there.
2: (laughs) That's the universal bluegrass G lick. (laughs) If you go to a bluegrass concert, it's guaranteed you'll hear that lick at least 2,000 times. (laughs) Um,
1: And it'll be awesome every time.
2: (laughs) um, So this next song we're going to do is called Where We Are. And it's sort of a song about... Going in the opposite direction, uh, having something and finding something, and then kind of wondering what happens to it. Um, should we mention that we're on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook? And that, was segue, kind of... <laughs> segue, <laughs> that was a great segue. That was horrible.
1: This is horrible why transition. I do that stuff. I'm just gonna like. Hey. Pull that back. Um, yeah, if you guys like what you hear today, we actually play as a five-piece. We have a fiddle player who is like, she's sick. She's amazing. She plays a five-string fiddle, and she plays a four-string. Um, and we also have an amazing bassist, and John Itkin, who is a songwriter, and the first song we sang is actually one of his tunes on guitar, and I play some rhythm mandolin with our five-piece, too. Um, this is very intimate, very different um, in terms of what we usually do, so we'd love to see you guys out at a show, and we're playing Fringe later today, and the tickets are cheap, and it's right at Bernunzio, so we've got some info back there. We'd love it if you join us on social media; it's a great way to kind of stay in touch and keep the conversation open after a show. So, how was that? Is that That's okay? Great. All right,
3: great. there we go. Um,
2: and uh, the we the shameless
1: plug is done now.
2: <laughs> we would love for you to give you our email address. No, you to give us your. Email okay, address. let me let
1: me just explain this. So we have. <laughs> I'm sorry. I love you lots. Um, we have a four-track EP um, that we'll give to you guys for free if you just share your email with us. So we've got a way to text to join, and then there's also a paper list back there. And we have a little download cards you can take with you um, with info about our show later today. So there you go. Thank you.
2: This song is called Where We Okay.
1: <laughs> where are we?
2: Or in my case, where I am not. <laughs>
3: Thank okay. okay. just one bottle to go away rall da 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 too much time nothing to do Too young to matter, too old, to have a clue. But I know the panic, the voices flood. I carry their corruption, it's living in my blood. I hear your voice in every crowd. Your words are clear, your words are proud. Much too practical for me. We burn like whiskey. We burn like a star, but I can't ever tell where we are. Da di da da dum, da da. Feather bed, an old church pew. Every goddamn thing reminds me of you. A car horn wails, a screen door slams. Well, you're gone again, and you don't give a damn. I hear your voice in every crowd. Your words are clear, your words are proud, much too proud to call for me. We burn like whiskey, we burn like a star, but I can't ever tell where.
0: My goodness, so good. Uh, it is a shame we have to interrupt this with a sermon. <laughs> um, somebody out there is like, do you have to? Do we? <laughs> uh, but I promise to be as quick as I can here because um, we're going to get Ben and Rita back up for a couple more songs to close out our service this morning. Um, <clears throat> The title of today's sermon and today's topic is Storied Faith, and I'm not going to bury the lead here. I'm not going to be clever and make you wait. The, the, the point is this. Uh, what I want to say is that the Christian faith is the story that God is writing in the world. And the Bible that we read tells that story. As simple as that. The Christian faith is the story that God is writing in the world, and the Bible that we read tells... That story, a large part of it. Uh, and as Ben mentioned, these songs, this is very common in this kind of music. They they told stories, and so this genre, Americana music, is just the perfect kind of analog for for what I want to say today. Um, and that's that's of course the whole point of mixtape. That's what that's what we want it, that's The way we want it to work. But you know, sometimes I like to to. Um, ask you what you think of a word. Right? So what comes to mind when, you, when I say the word story? I've right? been saying it a bunch this morning. Presumably you've already had your, your first reaction to the idea. And I imagine that, uh, especially when you start to think of the Christian faith as the story God is, is writing, um, that that concept evokes kind of a range of responses, from good to bad and, and lots of stuff in between. The the word "story" itself is essentially a neutral word. It doesn't. It's. It's. It's not like pain or love, which you know uh, would have would tip you in the scale, tip the scales in one way toward positivity or negativity. It's. It's essentially neutral. On one hand, stories are entertaining. They're engrossing. They're captivating. And then they can they can give us a, a a window into the truth of life, capital T like nothing else can. But on the other hand, stories can be fabrications. They can be falsehoods. They can be make-believe. Stories can be unclear. They can be imprecise. They can be unsanitary. And I think in many ways, we would feel better off. I don't know if we'd be better off, but we'd feel better off if our faith were clearer and more obvious more comprehensible and comprehensive. And this is the reason why people, many people treat the Bible as an instruction manual for life or a book of rules and laws because having that kind of book, having that Bible, which is not the Bible we have, but if we had it, it would make our experience with God a lot neater and a lot more comfortable sometimes. But if, if as I'm saying the Bible contains a story rather than instructions or rules, that kind of thing. Things are going to be a little bit messier. But I do believe that's what the Bible is. The story that God is writing in the world. And I believe it's a beautiful story. And I also believe that we are not just uh, listeners or hearers or observers of this story, but we are actually characters in the story. And the best part is that we're not even just characters, but in the end, we become co-authors of this story. The end of it, anyway. And so let me tell you what I mean by that. And this is the reason I'm sitting down, because the best way to do this is to tell you the story. So I'm, gonna, I'm assuming a storyteller's posture here, and I may be a little bit more tied to my notes than usual, because I'm going to read you this story, basically. The story begins outdoors. Picture the most beautiful place you've ever seen, a national park, a green meadow in Scotland, a riverbank in Africa, the shire before the ringwraiths came and <laughs> ruined the birthday party. And there's no danger in this place. The animals were our companions. The elements were our pleasure. Work was a fruitful, joyful thing. Farming without the heat and the droughts and the sweat. And there were no boundary disputes, no walls, no wars. Because there were no nation states or even cities constructed to concentrate power and wealth among those most willing to grab it. And we had not yet turned our neighbors into enemies. Narnia, before the White Witch, made it always winter and never Christmas. And God made this place, and God put people in this place, and God loved the world and the people, and the people loved God and the world. But love is not real when it is compelled, and being made as we were with the freedom to reject God, to turn our backs on the way of life He made, we decided to do just that and to go our own way. We decided that autonomy could not be real if it was always accompanied by obedience. And we decided that community with God and each other made the playing field a little bit too level and we began to act out in arrogance and rage and jealousy and vengeance. The first murder was committed and it's no coincidence that it was followed almost immediately by the incorporation of the first city-state. Civilization began... As a way of concentrating power and localizing safety and security in our own strength. Not in the strength of the God who made our world. But that God who had made the world and the rebellious people in it did not give up on what he had made. This God pursued his people in love, calling them again and again to return to his way promising to make the world right if only they would agree to be part of the work. He called Abraham and said, Through you all the nations of the earth will be blessed. He called Moses and said, I will redeem my people from slavery and I will show them a way to live the way life was intended, not like the chaos that they see all around them. And the people knew moments of great joy. Just as we all know moments of great joy. Weddings and birthdays. New year's celebrations. Love, sex, wine, sports, art, gentle rain on a warm summer day. And on those days the people got a glimpse of what God had meant life to be all along. But the whole world was was broken. And every one of those great joys could turn to ashes at any moment. Divorce, death, betrayal, abuse, drunkenness, bitter rivalry, profanity, monsoons. And God kept calling the community back to him, sending prophets to remind the people that the fruits of arrogance and rage and jealousy were bitter fruits, rotten fruits, Poisoned fruits. They wouldn't listen, or not for long. And in the end, God decided that the people would not be redeemed except by one of their own. And so God took on the very flesh and bones He had made for us. And He took up residence in the very world He had made for us in the very world that we had been systematically corrupting and destroying. And for a time, Jesus, the Son of God, the Son of Man, walked among us, perfectly reflecting God's glory wherever he went, explaining the truth of God's world, healing the sick, mending brokenness, and defending the powerless against the principalities of power standing up to the great twin evils of conquering empire and controlling religion. But these great twin evils loved their power and their money too much. And before very long, they did what all powerful institutions do to those who stand up to them. They killed him. And in the defining moment of the history of the world, the very God who had made that world and the people in it went willingly to His death at the hands of those people, at at our hands. And instead of rising up with power of His own, with violence of His own, Instead of calling down hellfire and an army of angels, he was raised up to his execution, <laughs> calling down forgiveness and love. And you must remember that it was God who had made life in the first place, and so death was not the end for Jesus. Jesus. You know the story. But the resurrection was not simply the reversal of one death, it was the reversal of all death. It was the conquest of love and forgiveness over hatred and revenge. The world up to that point had worked the other way hatred and revenge. Held the power. But this was the conquest of love and forgiveness. It was the beginning of the end for the principalities and powers. And here's where things get really interesting because salvation is not just a spiritual transaction, although you and I have no doubt been told that it is. Salvation is not just Jesus trading in your train ticket to hell. For a train ticket to heaven and agreeing to pay the transfer fee. Salvation is a reworking of the whole world. It's a whole different set of tracks. People get ready. There's a train coming. don't need no ticket. Just get on board. And salvation... What's more, is something that God calls us to participate in, not just to receive. Salvation is the ongoing work of setting the world right again. Salvation is the scouring of the shire. It's the end of the squabbles after the last battle of the war has been fought. It's, it's telling people that there's been a ceasefire, that there's been a peace treaty, that the armistice has been signed that the victory's been won. And this is why I say that we're not just characters in the story, but we're co-authors of the end, and this is the last page of my sermon, and it's completely blank. Because you get to help write it, uh, just as you get to help write the end of God's story. He has not only written himself into the play, if you will, but he's turned it into an improv act. And we'll talk a lot about improvisation next week when we do jazz. But he's given you and he's given me the great privilege and responsibility to be part of announcing to the world that the victory's been won. And not just announcing it, but actually helping to implement it. And so it's Our calling, not simply to say, thank you, Jesus, and to take communion, and to sit down on the couch of life and watch the rest of it unfold until God whisks us all the way. It's our task to step into the life that Jesus modeled for us, to start to embody the truth of Christian faith, which is that love and forgiveness have conquered hatred and vengeance. which is that the world uh, that God made in the beginning is the one he wanted it to be all along, and it's the one he's making it back into. It's, 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 the, it's realizing that there isn't some sweet by and by. There is no other location where we will be taken and everything will be better and different. The world that God made is the world that God loves, and it's the world that God is restoring And he calls you and he calls me to be part of that. Some of you have always struggled when there's a call to faith in church because you think, "Uh, I don't believe that. That's not for me. I don't see the point. Maybe you've never heard the call to faith made this way as an invitation to to get out of the spectator role and into the, the participant role has been given the great privilege of helping God write the end of God's story. If that sounds more attractive to you than uh, that spiritual transaction that I mentioned earlier, then I want to invite you to come and receive the great symbol of God's salvation for the world, which is the very body and blood of His Son, Jesus Christ, which is offered for the forgiveness of our sins but it's offered as food for our souls, as as fuel, as energy for the work of participating in salvation. And so I don't particularly care if you ever went down to the altar as a little kid or as a grown-up. Or not. Lots of you in the room did that and it was very meaningful. I did that and it was very meaningful. Please don't... I'm off... See, that the page is blank. So it's not perfect, but... I'm not trying to denigrate that, that experience with God, which was in all likelihood very real and meaningful for you if you had it. But what I am trying to say is that if you never did that and it didn't, because it just didn't compute for you, because that way of looking at the world wasn't sensic, sensible or sensical, that this table is still open to you if, if this other way of looking at it makes more sense. If you want to be part of God's story, it's right here for you to take and eat. You may need to ponder that for a while and, and now is not the time to, to take communion for the first time in a way that's meaningful to you. That's okay. You can sit. You can observe. You can pray. We'll be a member of the prayer team here if you'd like to pray in person with somebody. But for all who want to step into God's story and say, I'm not just... A, a, a listener, I'm not just an observer, I'm not even just a character in the story, but I'm actually writing the story with you, oh God. The table of communion is a, a great place to start and it's a great place to return to week in and week out because we get hungry in our bellies when we don't eat and we get hungry in our souls when we don't eat. So let's pray and then our table will be open. God, you wrote the story of the world, you are writing the story of the world, and we are overjoyed and overwhelmed at the idea that we might not only be characters in that story, but but part of writing it. And so we ask for your courage and blessing as we step into the calling that you've made on our lives. Help us to see where to go, what to do, who to talk to, who to love who to forgive, who to bless. And so doing, may we truly be the hands and feet of Jesus. May we be the body of Christ in a world that is still sometimes ugly and broken despite our faith that the the battle, the victory has been won. Draw us up into your story, we pray, O God, through Christ our Lord who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Our table's open now. I'm going to ask Ben and Rita to come back up, and they're going to play a couple more songs for us this morning. Keep piquing our interest with stories. Um, It's a blessing to be here with you all today. Respond uh, at the table or in prayer or however the Spirit is speaking to your life today. Amen. This
2: one is called Foolish Builder, and it's about uh, thinking you've got a lot, losing it all, and then realizing you had nothing.
3: Built it up so strong, trusted in a system that cannot carry on. No, it cannot carry on. Every dollar that I worked for, every dollar that I saved, the number came a tumbling, and I'll work until my grave. Oh, I'll work until my grave. If I could take my money, if I could have it back. And laughing at the track, laughing at the track. And I'd come home at night. I'd never stay too long. She would be there waiting. She would not be gone. Oh, she would not be gone. simple life, a life that have never
0: Let me, uh, <laughs> Let me remind you that we're going to thank the Crooked North with money. So if you have cash, uh, please get it ready. We're going to pass the hat during this last song. Um, if you didn't bring cash or can't afford it, please don't feel obligated to do this. Um, never anything an artisan should cost you money that you don't have. But if you do have it, five bucks is a good starting point. Um, throw it in the hat and uh, let's send these guys home with a, a little bit of cash. Thank you. Right. Okay, so while they sing the song, we'll go through
1: he saved you from banjo jokes. When we play out, if he takes too long to tune, like I start telling banjo jokes to get him motivated. Because
2: yeah. the jokes are so bad. I have to...
1: They really they really are bad. I won't, I won't even... <laughs> I will, we'll just move on. Yes, thank you. Thank you.
2: <laughs> so this song is called Happy Little Blackbird. I actually played this here at Artisan Church maybe eight years ago. Oh, man, we're getting old. I all... actually... I think that I think that uh it actually had its debut here in Erison Church. Um oh,
1: still not too. Easy. It's no, it's
3: fine.
2: <laughs> okay, okay, okay. a little trick. Let's see. Um, <laughs> and um, this one is sort of about uh, reflecting on uh, reflecting on your past and um, sort of seeing you know one of the, one of the funny things about becoming a, an adult is kind of realizing that you become a different person um, when you become reflective uh, and you value different things and um, this is about uh, this is about that
1: and this is on our EP so if you share your email with us we'll send you a copy of it
3: Happy new- Happy little baby, happy little baby, happy little baby, cry, 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 cry that you hate me. I must not mourn my father, what's new is new, what's new.
0: guys thank you so much it was wonderful Um, fantastic music and good old friends so nice to have you back here with us Um, my heart is full for more information visit us at artisanchurch.com